Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Hugh Hewitt, and when I want to know what's going on with the Cavs, the Browns, and the Tribe, I tune into Sports Fix. Sports Fix listeners, like us on Facebook today. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Hey guys, J-Rock here from the Sports Fix, and we always talk about using our platform to try to help the world and the society we live in, and everywhere I go and everywhere we go, bullying is one of the problems in today's society. There's nothing worse than any person, big or small, strong or weak, adult or child, feeling picked on, pushed around, vulnerable, and victimized at the hands of a bully. Change comes one person at a time, and my good friends at No Such Thing as a Bully are working on skills and techniques and ways that we can all change and make things better for everyone. Find out more at nosuchthingasabully.com. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Harry Buffalo. Catch every UFC pay-per-view live in full HD at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead, just outside Great Northern Mall. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. Live in Ohio, it's time to get your fix. The Sports Fix. And away we go, off and running. There we go. I think they can hear this pretty well. We are live on the air. A special edition of the Sports Fix getting ready to come your way here. It's the kickoff of a holiday week, of course, 4th of July, Independence Day coming up at the end of the week. We're going to have some fun this week. And you know what? Sometimes things work out well because this was a tough weekend, Tribe fans. This was uh, this was a tough weekend here. And coming back today, talking about the Indians, we've made it a lot more comfortable because we're going to talk about the Indians on the celluloid much more than the ones on the baseball diamond this weekend. We're talking Major League, Cleveland Indians, the making of it, my man, the sports writer extraordinaire, Jonathan Knight. He's not on the phones. He is here live in studio. JK, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, Jerry. In the house. In the house. This is this is bizarre in a way. I, I love it. This is this is great to be we talked about it Friday, to, to be where the magic happens, to be in the Emerald City. <laughs> it's just a different vibe, it's a different experience. It's great to, you know I I, w- I remember the last time I did this. So I've been on the show now for four years. Was that and when I, I was can out of remember, town? 
I can remember coming in to fill in for yeah. you as a yeah. as a guest host one night, and then you showed up anyway, so it was great. But it was it was uh, in fact that was it was this like April of 2011. So we're talking four years since I've been live, not live necessarily, but in person, I guess is what we're, we're saying on the on I the think, sports fix. Man, I think that was one of the nights that started the the the, the beef between me and Sean back then. Man, I think wasn't he late showing there up? Was, uh, yeah, you- I think you're right actually. <laughs> I think that's right. That was the that was the uh, the the line in the sand who started I was to be mad. drawn that night. Yeah, I was out of town and you were coming in, and I'm like, man, we got somebody coming in, and you couldn't even get there on time. <laughs> oh, I was mad about that. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, and I miss. I was I oblivious remember. to all of this at the time. Good yeah. stuff, man. Well, welcome. How was your drive down? You got a you got a lot going on here today. It's a, in. Yeah, it's this is I guess you could, this is my book tour. You know, like Tom Tom Clancy, <laughs> Stephen King go on a month long book tour. Mine's about seven and a half hours. So it's it's oh. it's. Starts today, so it's yeah. So I'm bouncing around all over today, uh, but uh, fitting that that it that we start with the sports fix because this is where so much inspiration has, whether <laughs> whether me or others, this is this is the the cradle from which all great ideas well, are born. I don't know about all that, but he's sitting here, and I am kind of a big guy, so I'm sure I know why he's saying that, man. I would, I would, no, I'm kidding. Man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. The downside of being in person is now he can snap me in half. I mean, he can't really. He can just hang up on me on the phone. Now, now there's oh. now there's a threat here. No, we are having some not. fun. We are just getting going, you guys. I see a couple of you in the chat room. Welcome in, JK. Here, welcome in, you guys. Hey, you know what? Let's do this official. Welcome everybody in. We're going to talk a little bit about the news of the weekend. We'll talk some tribe, of course, I'm sure as we're going, probably hit on some Cavs and some Browns. But for the most part, we're talking Major League, the movie, the making of it. Of course, the great book we've talked about by my man, Jonathan Knight. Since he's here in studio, we're going to be able to open up the phones and more. So let's get rocking and rolling. Welcome in, you guys. To the Sports Fix, another week, the final. We're at the end of June here, getting ready to crack another month. We are live across the Sports Fix radio network. Maybe you're listening live on TuneIn or TuneIn's radio apps worldwide, Spreaker, Mixler, their digital and mobile apps, or perhaps... You're listening right on our home base, thesportsfix.net, one-stop shop for everything you need. And and make sure you, you keep your eyes open. There may be some switching over the site. You may find some things changing because our web guy is making the websites more mobile-friendly this week and doing some changes. So if you do, bear with us. But everything will be up and running. Make sure you bookmark it today, thesportsfix.net. Uh, like I said, your one-stop shop for everything you need. And as well, welcome in. All of you guys who listen, thousands of you, around the world, 24 hours a day, on sites like iHeartRadio, the world's largest internet radio network, on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, all of the places. that. And by the way, many of you on Stitcher are saying, hey, we got the show back. Apparently, once we got the feed switched over, there's been about 500 downloads in the last 24 hours of people catching up on the uh, shows that they missed for the two weeks. But good to be back up on Spreaker. Good to be back up everywhere. And good to be here in studio. As I said, if you missed it, I am the big daddy on the microphone. J-Rock, Jerry Myers, over here to my left with me in the studio, Jonathan Knight. The sports writer extraordinaire, and you guys, of course, are the most important part of this whole thing. Whether it's on social media, whether it's on the phone lines, be a part of the show and get your fix. Pick up the phones, give us a call, 216-539-7535, 216-539-7535 is the number to call. Social media, always the best way to do it, facebook.com slash thesportsfix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix C L E. 
email us, thesportsfix at AOL.com. Again, Facebook.com slash thesportsfix. Twitter at thesportsfixcle. Email us, thesportsfix at AOL.com. I don't know, JK. I mean, I guess before we get into the, get into the book, ah, there's Charles on uh, Twitter there saying he just picked up his copy last Friday. Way oh, nice. to go. Nice. That's, that's what we like to see here. Cha-ching. Put yes. that in the pocket. And my kids need braces, so I appreciate that. <laughs> And you know what? Before we get into the book and stuff, you and I were talking before. We don't got to beat ourselves over the head with it. But, man, what a tough weekend for the tribe here this weekend. I mean, you go to Baltimore and get swept and don't score. And you don't score. That's 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 the really really rubbing in it. It's one thing to get swept. Baltimore's a nice team. They're they're strong. They're a perennial playoff team. That's one thing to go in there and get swept. But to get... I think there's a, there's any there's a couple of ways why that really rubs it in. One, to get swept in a doubleheader, two losses in one day, that hurts. To not score a run in two games in one day, that hurts. And for one of the games to be Ubaldo Jimenez shutting you down is perhaps the cherry on top of everything. I know. Thing. Oh, I mean, and it just you and I were talking. Okay, I'm the perennial optimist, and I'm not yeah. giving up on this season. Even besides being optimist, I believe this team is better than this. I mean, Certainly. I'm looking at my TV yesterday, and I'm looking at my son, and I'm going, these guys are better than this. There's, regardless, maybe they're not great as we thought they would be, but they're better than the way they're playing now. And But I'm wondering, is it is it the point where you start to, I mean, you should be worried, but like, are you sure it's going to turn around? Because we're getting yeah. to, when's the middle? What? How many games are they at? We've got to be close. We're very, very close. the middle point. Yeah. But I know there's... I know there's time. I, I saw somebody, was it just the other day, I saw somebody start the, the tweets about the how many games back people have been. And it was the, you know, 73 Red Sox were 14 and a half yeah. games out of first place and then they came back or whatever. I'm serious. Can you think of a time that a team, other than one or two occasions, has been a dozen games out of first place hitting the month of July and came back? Now, with two wild cards, That's there, right. there is something to come back to. Right. But... I mean, what what do we look for here in the second half? Are they folding up camp or what? Yeah, realistically, I think if if you want to maintain that optimism, you have to cling to that wild card theory. And that sucks. And that second wild card, and I don't like that either. I think we've we've talked about this before that the, not crazy about the second wild card, even if the Indians benefit from it, which they did a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I, to 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 envision them coming all the way back from twelve games. With the and it's not even necessarily a question of the Indians turning it around and playing better. You're a Kansas City is an incredibly good team. You've still got a Detroit team that the Indians cannot beat if their lives depended on it. So you'd have to leapfrog three teams that, and even Minnesota, kind of coming out of nowhere. You would think they would level off, but it's it's less about what the Indians can do in terms of wins and losses than how are you going to be better than. One team, two teams, three teams that are ahead of you, and that's that's where optimism starts to break down a little bit. I think if there's a, if you want to cling to optimism, if you want to look for something over this last half of the season, let's get back to 500. Let's get back uh, back to 81 wins. I mean, that should be the goal at this point. I think anything more than that is a little unrealistic. But they're that's they really should be. But that's where they should be. That's the type of team this is. There's no reason why this team shouldn't be 500. I mean. Offensively, I mean, look at the run differential. And it wasn't it, just a few weeks ago. It was the opposite. The yeah. Indians were close to 500. They were still under 500. But they were plus 30 runs in the run differential. Because Dan and I were talking about it one day. And he was shocked when I brought it up. He said, oh, 
I wouldn't have thought that because they were struggling scoring, but they had those couple of double digit games where they scored some runs. But look at it now. I mean, it, it makes sense when you look at the division. The, the division lines up perfectly here. I mean, the team with the best <laughs> differential is in first place, and it works its way on down. And how about the White Sox, man? That's yeah, a, that's surprising. But, I mean, 39 runs, and the way they're scoring, that's the difference in every one of these games. The yeah. minute you put a run on the board, you've got the Indians beat most nights. Yeah, that's, what's, that's what's really frustrating about it. You would look at that and see that 39 run, run, 39 run differential and think, boy, the pitching hasn't been great. And it hasn't been, but realistically you look you could basically take the two shutouts yesterday and the 17 nothing loss to the cubs last week and there's your differential essentially yep. that's about 39 runs right there pretty yeah. close and that's why you you get shut out three times in a week and a half yeah that's going to and you and you're giving up lopsided run totals on the other side yeah that's going that's going to make a huge difference in that statistic if no others you take away those three games i think that's much closer to where the innings have been the rest of the year I mean, what what do you what can they do? I mean, I, Bruce has got a great point in the chat room. We can point at Nick Swisher or whatever all you want, and you say one guy can't fix everything, and that's true. How do you get this offense working? I mean, yeah. they struggled early, and then we said it was early, and then they got warm, and we said, oh, now the weather warmed up, the offense warmed up. Well, now the weather's warmed up even more, yeah. and the offense is cold again. What what do they need to do? I mean, Moss is, you know, I, I had to laugh, and I love Tom Hamilton, but I was listening to the game. Was it yesterday? Might have been the first first game of the doubleheader. I was in the car for a minute. Or maybe it was Friday. No, it was Friday night's game, I think. But it was about Moss. And he was talking about how Moss was five of his last nine. And he goes, and I couldn't believe Hammy said this because Hammy's pretty, he doesn't go overboard with the, with right, the right. praise. And he goes, boy, uh, uh, Rosie. Moss looks like he's ready to go on a tear. He just looks like he's locked in right now. And he, obviously, we didn't score a run all weekend. I mean, <laughs> but he was 5 of 9. Before that, he was batting 215 with runners yeah. in scoring position. I know he leads the team in home runs, but he had one game where he had three home runs. He had a couple of multi-home run games. You take those out of the way, yeah. and he is very ineffective. But I was shocked. I'm listening, and I'm going, boy, they're pulling hard. Like, you can tell when the, when the <laughs> orders from up top are coming down. Listen. Yeah. We've got a homestand coming up. We need to give people a reason to buy We've tickets. We've got bobbleheads <laughs> to give away. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's funny you mentioned Friday night because as much as people are really focusing on getting shut out twice Sunday, and I don't want to breeze past that because that's hugely embarrassing, but I, I think Friday night is even more indicative of the Indians' problems in that they score three runs 
on three solo home runs and lose four to three. Kluber was great. If, right. And yeah. once again, Corey Kluber does not get a victory in a game that he pitched well enough to win. He didn't get the loss. But is there anything more reflective of this Indian season that if just anybody had been on base for any of those home runs, if anybody else would have stepped up, not to even <laughs> hit a home run, just to get a walk, get on base, the Indians win that game. But they can't. So they hit three solo home runs and lose. That's all they could manage. And then, of course, go... Go 18 innings without scoring a scoring a single run on Sunday. So yeah, that does this weekend not reflect exactly the Indians' problems on offense. I'm telling you, Corey Kluber was deal. I couldn't believe it because I stopped watching the or stopped following the game because I got where I was going and it was, oh maybe the sixth inning because at that point the Indians had just sent a tweet. I just got it on my phone that said Kluber's dealing. Yeah, He's got ten strikeouts yeah. in five innings, and I'm like, yeah, all right. And I turned the game back on, and he was just finishing up the seventh or eighth inning, and the Tribe was down. And I'm like, wait a minute. What happened here, man? You know? Yeah. I mean, he's he's become – Justin Masterson, if you remember the, uh, the last couple of years, that was always the the strike against him was that he would get no run support, and that's where it is. And if you look at poor Corey Kluber, I, I mean to be to be fair, he is not as good as he was last year. He'll no. go on he'll go on little blips on the radar, and that's fine. But he is certainly better than three and nine. And you look at his record and think, whoa, boy, he's really fallen off the radar. He's the Cy Young jinx, whatever you want to call it. And that is not what's happening. He's not as sharp as he was. But my gosh, if he were just getting uh, average run support, he would again. He'd be at 500, above 500. He'd have six, seven, eight wins. He would be much better than what we're seeing in his on his stat line. And I know this is somewhere, and you and I can go different. We'll we'll get away from this, and we'll get into the book, and we'll have more fun in a minute. But what you and I were just saying before the show, I just want to repeat on the air because this is a question that should drive any tribe fan crazy. I do believe things can get better, but if they don't, what happens? Because nobody, you know, nobody wants to look at changing and things that may happen. I love Terry Francona. I don't want him to go anywhere. The problem is, is the people that do need to go somewhere are the front office and they're tied together. Are we looking at a situation if this thing crumbles the rest of the way, do we lose them all? Because if Shapiro and Antonetti go, Francona can walk away from his contract. Now, maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll say, hey, guys, I'm going to keep the job. But there's a reason that they put that clause in there. What do we start from scratch here in the middle of this whole thing? That seems to be sort of the the Faustian deal that Indians fans have to deal with. It's so easy to say, "Oh, get rid of Shapiro, get rid of Antonetti, get rid of these guys." Yes. It's their fault. But you're absolutely right. You say, "Well, if they're gone, then Francona almost certainly is gone as well." Are you willing to pay that price? Because it is very unlikely that you can both of those guys, which they probably won't happen anyway. But even if that were to happen. 90% chance that Francona is out the door too. He wouldn't, not only because it's in his contract, but why would he want to go through a right. rebuilding situation? That's not, he's beyond that in his career. And he's much more in demand as a coach oh, sure. than he was in Absolutely. 2013. He would get snapped yeah. up so fast. Yeah. He, was doing he is TV. the best thing about this organization right now yes. in terms of a management level. Terry Francona is the shining star that the Indians are trying to hitch their wagon to. So he, it's difficult to imagine them doing anything that would jeopardize his staying with the Indians. And he's a second-half coach. That's why I do believe that this team will will play better in the second half. But you know, if they don't, that's just that's really got me wondering. And then you see a weekend like this weekend. Mm-hmm. 
and you just wonder the body language. I'm not I'm not worried about the, the wins and losses necessarily. The body language says we quit. And I know yeah. you can't you can't quit in June, but are they? Are they just are they are they at a point where they need some spark? And what is it? You've already brought up Lindor. You've already brought up Urshela. Yeah, You've... there's nothing left. I mean, there's really no secret weapon that they can trot out. They've demoted Chisholm Hall. I mean, we're, you're looking at there. Obviously, there are there are players that that can improve. But my gosh, what do you what do you what do you replace them with? How do you how can you possibly right this ship in midstream? And I'll tell you what, yeah, Mike Brandenburg and I, we've been talking about you know how hard it is to leapfrog two or three teams in the division. Let alone to get you know up there, sure. and uh, I just pulled up the wild card standings in front of you, and that's that's a, even more of a climb. There are yeah. eight teams between <laughs> the Indians and the two wild card spots. They are seven and a half games back. They've got Seattle, Texas, the Angels, the Tigers, the Blue Jays, the Twins, and the Yankees in front of them. Tampa Bay and Baltimore have. It's the easier two. to it's easier to just list who's below. Who's them. not? I mean, it's basically the Indians, Oakland, and the White or in Boston and the White Sox. Three teams. That's it. Three teams. And then it's below the, the Indians tribe. versus the field. I mean, they have to leapfrog the entire American League just to get to the second wild card. I mean, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, it's that's amazing. They have made their jobs so much harder yes. in the second half that I don't know what to do. And the the fact that they can't win at home. Is yeah, the that worst is incredibly part. troubling. I don't understand that. We were and we were talking about that earlier too. For for all of the struggles that the Indians had in recent years, going back to Manny Acta, going back to Eric Wedge, they've never had trouble winning at home. Not to the dominant stage of the '90s, but they have not not to this extent. This is just this is ridiculous what we've seen. And I got to tell you, you know what? For as much as you you talk about these guys and and maybe we say maybe Carlos Santana is just a two twenty hit. Ooh, there's another one that I heard Hammy say over the weekend, and I was shocked. He said uh, Santana came up during a, it was either I think it was during the first game Sunday, and I heard him go. At what point do you wonder? Is Carlos Santana just a two twenty hitter, and he's not going to turn four it around? Years ago, yeah, and I, I couldn't believe that Hammy was the one yeah, saying that's, that. That's really surprising to hear him say that, and that's I mean, hats off to him for making that statement. I mean, I think he it's where it. the rest of us are, but yeah, you've got it. You you're at the point where you just have to accept that Carlos Santana, if not at a two twenty hitter, that he certainly is not going to be better than a two forty hitter. I mean, that's just we've never seen. I think his best numbers were. 268 two years ago, and you've yeah. got to look at that now compared to everything else and say that's the aberration. I'll take it's that. Not, this I'll take this, that right this now. Year, oh, totally. <laughs> I would 268. Yes, please. I mean that that alone would would give him try two or three more wins. But look, look at okay. We love to put people up on pedestals here. Mickey Calloway is the greatest coach we've ever seen. Now he's the great pitching yeah. coach, and that and he is obviously he does a great job with guys. And I mean. Uh, look at the trouble we've had with the fifth starter, and he's kept it alive at yeah. least. I mean, but, you know, what about the opposite? Charles here says the hitting coach, fire him. I mean, this is multiple seasons yeah. in a row of pitiful offense. Like, at some point, doesn't the hitting coach be held responsible? Like, I've never even heard of the guy, you know, that the Indians mm-hmm. have doing the job right now. And that's, you know, I'm not saying you've got to be Eddie Murray or Dave Winfield. you got to have that pedigree, right. but, you know... When Charlie Manuel was the hitting coach, people hit. <laughs> people hit for a long time, right. you know? But at the same time, like you said, it, this is now multiple years and multiple hitting coaches that the, True. That the Indians have not. True. If you remember in, in 2011, even when they got off to that great start in 2011, 
uh, they fired their batting coach, I think, the first week of the season. I mean, right off the rip, after a bad weekend, they fired their their hitting coach, and it uh, maybe made a difference. I don't know that it really made a difference necessarily in, in, in guys' techniques, but it sort of rattled everybody and woke everybody up, and I think that's what you're shooting for when you fire a, a hitting coach or a pitching coach. But, yeah, at some point you got to say – what difference does it make who the hitting coach is? These guys just cannot hit. I mean, you just Carlos Santana is hit has is a two forty career hitter under three or four different batting coaches. I mean, is that is it really going to make a difference who you bring in? It's not to say that they're not going to. They probably will. Something's going to happen here by the All Star break. I would think there's going to be some kind of shakeup. But will it make a big difference? Maybe for a day or two. Probably not much. Longer and that's than that. the thing is when you talk about it, we've seen it before. Most teams when they fire the hitting coach, even if you get uh, you'll get an uptick for maybe a couple of weeks right. where guys will hit a little better, and then it goes back to the it's average because exactly, yeah. it's baseball. You're not changing these guys. These guys yeah. are – you can help them fine-tune things, and especially if they're there in the off-season, they work with them in spring training. Off-season. Th- yeah. Then it can make a difference. And that will, that's what we've seen. The Indians have been blessed with some really good pitching coaches. This isn't like they're bringing in a guy who's going to fix – a, a, a struggling hitter overnight. That's not how this works. I'm just asking. How come, as I Google search Indians hitting coach, I see Brooke Jacoby. He's a hitting coach for the oh Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. I see, you know, Travis Hafner wants to be a hitting coach. Bring I mean, him in. What the I'm heck? just saying. Yeah. Manny Ramirez is with the Cubs. Now, Manny may be Manny, <laughs> but one thing Manny Ramirez knows how to do is hit the baseball. Yeah. Like, why do... I'm just saying, Jacoby, these are guys that were... In the Indians, hell, somebody hire Julio Franco right now. He's probably still playing to, somewhere. He is. Actually, I just saw it. Dude, what, did you 65? know that? I did not know that. I was making a joke. Julio He's Franco be about is still five years old by now. God, that's amazing. No, I just saw it. It was just this last season he signed another contract. He's like the oldest player yeah. out there. Look, he's still play. He's oh a player God. manager. Fifty six. He's player <laughs> manager. Fifty six in his forty fifth year in professional baseball at this point. Yes, My dude. Gosh. Think about it. Unbelievable. Think about that, man. Well, here's a name to hear. Throw out a name here for for batting coach. Okay, Jerry, oh, you, you, you'll catch this. Let's see if you catch this. Duke Temple. Is that from? It's from Major League. It's from right? Major League. Yeah, the batting yeah, coach from go. Major League. Let's bring him in here, right? You know, Steve, Steve Yeager. <laughs> Steve Yeager. He's he's he working. He's he works as a as an instructor, a catching instructor. Bring him in here. Let's catch some I mean, lightning in a bottle. Why doesn't Terry Francona just go up there and tell these guys the next time you strike out? Drop and give me ten push-ups <laughs> right there. Yeah, instantly, guys will be doing push-ups left and right. Just to entertain yeah. the fans, just for us. Like, who cares if it does any good? You know, you pop the ball up on the infield, you drop and give me twenty. I would love to see Terry Francona take Nick Swisher's contract, walk out onto the field, and just go look, drop it on the ground, take a leak on that thing, and just walk away. Yes, you know? I'm just no saying. dialogue, nothing to be said. <laughs> God knows that we'd have some volunteers. Some Indians fans oh. would love to 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 piss on that contract. Oh, right now. oh yes, absolutely, man, absolutely. All right, man. I mean, look, the Indians—they uh, are what they are, man. And I don't even think I got my daily email from the Indians yet today. They've man. just they, stopped. <laughs> they, they, you talk about the players quitting. The front, the marketing department has just called it in. They they phoned it in. They're done. Poor Joel point. Hammond, man. He's Poor guys. That's the th- and you know, I think it's important to point out too that. There are so many people who are not not in any way involved in the baseball decisions and the front office decision, whatever, that work so hard to promote a team that is often unpromotable. Yes. <laughs> you think of these poor guys. I mean, just through the years, not just this year. How many times <laughs> this team was not 
the 1990s Indians that they were not hot, they were not sexy. Nobody wanted to watch these guys, and the and these these good people work so hard and get no credit for this it. This you know? is the press release from yesterday. This is what the Indians sent out. It's just funny how short and concise it is. The <laughs> Orioles swept a day night rain induced doubleheader on Sunday. Four no rain induced in there as if like that. Well, <laughs> it, it was raining. That's why we couldn't hit. Trevor Bauer and in his big league debut, Toru Toru Murata took losses for the Indians. There's a name from Major League yeah, right there. Yeah, it really you know? is. Uh, Michael Brantley had two hits in the opener. David Murphy went four for four in the nightcap. That's it. We're not even talking about the game anymore. Yeah. They move on. Gavin Floyd's talking to sick kids, man. We're moving on to something else. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's you know you mentioned David Murphy going four for four, and that's he's something. Been doing and, well. and he's been doing really well. And that's something not to not to pile on and make you more depressed. But you got to look at <laughs> David Murphy hitting whatever he's hitting three thirty. Yeah, Who man. could have expected that? You talk about an overachiever. And, and Jason Kipnis coming back at the yes. way that he has. So it's not like everything has gone wrong for the Indians. Or you look and say, oh, there's a riddle with injury. You can't really point to a specific disappointment or anything like that. They're, they've had some pleasant surprises uh, that that you could not have anticipated. So you got to balance that against, wow, how bad. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How are things going with what the guys that are not performing the way you expected when you have these unpleasant surprises and things are still nosediving? That's what I've been saying about uh, Jason Kipnis. What happens if he gets yeah. back to oh Earth? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Because the offense or if has Brantley else. gets hurt, or if I mean, there's any number of ways that she's like, boy, these guys that we're counting on to just keep their heads above water. If any of them drop off or something happens, well, whoa, look out below, my gosh! And it doesn't get any easier. Look, and I mean, you talk about burying yourself. The two teams that we played, Baltimore over the weekend, and now Tampa. Those are the two wild card teams right there. Yeah. And uh, so you go from one right into the other here as you go, and you've got three with Tampa coming up. I just. I don't want to see this, not just because we have to talk about it every day or anything. I don't want to see this season just run away and become a countdown to training camp. You know, I to do Brown's not. training camp. Yeah, right. exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's not like we've got. We're not, we're not even th- looking ahead to next year. We're just like, please, Browns, And, and that's save not us. even good. That's yeah. not even good no. because they don't have anything It's going to be the same great. problems next spring. We're just delaying the problems. I mean, unless the At Indians least. go out and have an off season to remember, this is going to we're going to be having these same conversations next March. You know what? At least the Cavs made it so long right. that we're already we talk, closer. That's right. We can finally bring yeah. that to an end. We didn't we didn't talk about that the last couple of weeks, but boy, the Cavs really did step up and take one for the Indians. You know what? By the way, uh talking about that, look at this. It's just something I've been ranting about for the last couple of weeks. This the crappy media and the way they're doing it all weekend long i've come across look at the top headline on yeah. espn another decision nah, no. 
Last yeah. night, I was over a friend's house, and I pulled up my, my phone, and the first story on my timeline came from CBS Sports, and it was, what is your team's percentage to land LeBron James yeah, this it's... summer? They only gave the Cavs a 95% chance, <laughs> and then they went through every other team. They gave the Lakers a 2% chance. They gave the Knicks a half a percent oh chance. God, wow. They gave the, the Clippers a 1% chance. It's a slow week. I'm like, come on. But the Kevin Love stuff, too. Yeah. Then, over the weekend, there was a picture apparently taken of Kevin Love and LeBron James at a pool party I together. And some people are making a conspiracy out of that, They're too. Going to the like, Lakers together. Are they going to the Lakers yeah, together? God. I mean, come yeah. on. But yeah. here's the thing. The other day, point blank. David Griffin said, I have talked to LeBron every day since the season ended. Mm -hmm. And the same day, there's an article put out that says, regardless what David Griffin said, LeBron's going dark until the Cavs wrap up their business. And it's, no, that is the, okay, I just cannot wrap my hand around the concept of asking a guy a question. Now, if he doesn't answer, if I say, JK, what's up with your book? And you don't tell me, mm -hmm. then I'll speculate. A and and it, I'm speculating. Right. But if I ask you, when's your book coming out? And you say June 1st. I go, well, regardless of what he said, we don't know when the book's yeah. coming out. No, you just told me your right. answer. Why are, why are we even in business? If I ask you a question and you answer it and I say, well, I don't care what you just said. Why there was I no point in asking the question. Why do you even bother to ask a question if, the an if a yes, no? Yeah, I mean, that's what that's the nature of, of sports, quote unquote, journalism at this point. It's you, all speculation, rumor, scuttlebutt. At least Kevin Love. I can get people kicking it around. Do you not think that a man who is as calculated as LeBron James mm -hmm. with everything he does did not sit down last year? He didn't just come home. He sat down and said, obviously, this is going to be a few-year thing here. Right. I mean, if we're not ready to do it, then we'll wait. Because he was going to do it at some point. He was coming home. But when he was ready to stay, if he wanted to go somewhere else, he'd have went somewhere else first and then came back here. Right. You know, like, it would destroy it really would hurt a lot of hit, way worse than the first decision. Right. If he walked away now, oh god, it would crumble a Which, lot. Which why, why would he have come back he in the first place? He's not stupid. Why would he have come back for one? I mean, it's not like you. People can argue yeah. that oh, this season didn't go the way he thought. Whatever. <laughs> they made it to the freaking finals, folks. I know. I think they nobody. exceeded expectations, and he's got to know that things have the potential to be so much better last year. Plus, to say nothing of the fact that this came up. Last year, yes. when he said he was coming, we said, "No, it's the he can opt out. It's it's a business thing. This is going to happen. This is Everyone like new. This is like a thunderstorm warning has been called, and then we're surprised when it starts to rain. That's the worst part. Right at the end of the season, David Griffin said they've already told us LeBron's opting out. Kevin Love's opting out. They're doing it with the it's intention a of decision. This is coming not back. The, right. They, they made this very clear right. what they're gonna do. And but these people, and that's what drives me nuts, is because I watch like yesterday. Um, you know, when you're friends with somebody, when they comment on something, it pops up on your newsfeed. So that's how I got directed to one of these articles because I started seeing these people commenting and they're flaming LeBron. Oh, look at him, he's leaving again. Because the way the title of the article was phrased, they take it right. as and I'm it's like, come on, itself. man. Yeah. And it's it's getting people to click the button. That's all it is. That's what it is. That's that's exactly you know? what it is. Let's just get this over. I mean, ignore it, really. Yes, there's you really have there's to. you have to. There's nothing to report, so this is what they're reporting. You think him and Kevin Love this conversation took two minutes. Goes, look, man, you saw what we did, right? You know what we're gonna do next year, right? <laughs> like 
Are we talking about anything else? Let's jump in the pool. They're oh. not stupid. You want man. another cheeseburger? Okay. How about some sunscreen? <laughs> I mean, that just that drives me crazy. But anyways, man, that's 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 the silliness that's in the media nowadays, man. But let's uh hey, I see we got calls coming in. Let's go ahead and take a break here. Let's get you some news and then let's start talking about major league. Let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, I told you, I read it. Couldn't have been two days after I got it. I was done with it, man. And uh, one of my favorite movies. But let's talk about what you what you went through putting it together and, and how much fun that was. How long did it take you to put this book together? Altogether, it took two, two and a half years, roughly. Wow. Two to two and a half. It was, it, it was, of all the books that I have done, this one took the longest. It wasn't necessarily the hardest uh, but it, in terms of how much time and energy this one this one took the most. I thought you were setting up a joke. I thought you were going to say, of all the books I've done, this is one of them. You know? Yeah, I that's not. Like, I should have said that. Yeah, that would have been much uh, funnier. No, I, all right, that, man, two and a half years, man, that's uh, that's amazing. But I mean, how much and how much traveling did you do? Like, was there a ton of travel? With not this? no. I mean, uh, there there was some traveling involved, but most of it was was either online or on the phone or what have you. So there was that. That's again one of, one of those areas that technology kind of helps out the writer <laughs> as much as it is is a detriment in some ways. So it was it that was very helpful because it was it was widespread. I mean, I, you know, I was talking with people. From all over the country, uh, not just Hollywood necessarily, from Montana to Wisconsin to everywhere. So I mean, it did. It was a a, a pretty wide net that was cast to, to put this thing together. All right, let's talk about that wide net and talk about the book, the movies. You guys love them. We talk about them all the time. I mean, it is the to me the ultimate baseball movie is Major League. I know there are some other good ones too, but. Uh, you got to live the dream, man, and, and sit yeah. down and, and get some get some work into that, man. So let's talk about it. When we come back, you guys, we're going to take your calls. We're going to talk about the making of Major League. Jonathan Knight, sports writer extraordinaire in studio. See, we'll, we'll switch from the Indians that are driving you crazy to the ones that you love and love and love some more. Because you know what? You can always pop that DVD in anytime, and the Indians are winning again, man. And she still hates this effing song, man. So <laughs> let's take a break. Let's get to the news, and when we come back, JK and I will pick it up. I know we got calls in the queue. I'll jump to you guys as well. We're talking Major League, the making of it, and more. Jonathan Knight, J-Rock, you're listening to The Sports Fix. We'll be right back. Unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the sports fix. We'll be right back. Hey guys, before we go to the break, I want to talk to you a little bit again about our good friends at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead, the UFC, the ultimate fighting championships, some of the hottest fights in the world today, each and every one of their huge events. Harry Buffalo is one of the few places in Northeast Ohio you can go there and watch each and every UFC fight at the Harry Buffalo. And let me tell you, I've been there. The people are out the door. They are to the rafters. It is one of the craziest environments for some UFC fights. Wing Mondays, they've got great deals.
deals on wings and drinks, and every day of the week there's a different special, a different deal. And don't forget the Bison Burger, the unbelievable. It is the combination of a fantastic burger and eating healthy combined into one unbelievable sandwich you have got to get a bison burger while you're there so whatever you're looking for whatever day of the week monday through friday saturday sundays there's something for you at the harry buffalo north olmstead just outside great northern mall check them out today harry buffalo join the herd it's an addiction the sports six will be right back how to be a great dad in 15 seconds Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Fantasy sports lovers, you put so much time, hard work, and effort into playing week to week that it quickly stops being a fantasy and starts getting real. And when the smoke clears, you want to show off those victories with a real prize. I mean, a really real prize. Nobody Nobody does does that that like like Fantasy Fantasy Jocks. The crew over at Fantasy Jocks have beautiful, high-quality, and heavy-duty championship belts, rings, trophies, and so much more for all your fantasy sports needs. There's literally only one place to go. FantasyJocks.com Business owners and professionals, do you want to take your business, your product, your team, your event to the next level? You want to advertise right here with the Sports Fix. Our listeners are among the most loyal listeners, terrestrial or internet. The Sports Fix universe is not only the radio show, but tens of thousands of fans on Facebook and Twitter. Email me, Jerry Myers, thesportsfix at AOL.com. That's thesportsfix at AOL.com. And let me help you swing for the fences and hit it out of the park right here on the Sports Fix. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Signs and Ship, the official printing source of the Sports Fix. Locations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Florida. Find out more at signsandship.com. News break. I'm Christine Lisi. Here's what's happening. Strong start at Wimbledon for Serena Williams as she begins her quest to become the first tennis player in more than a quarter of a century to win all four majors in the same season. Five-time Wimbledon champ, a straight-sets winner in the first round at the All-England Club. Novak Djokovic, also a straight-sets winner. Live coverage of Wimbledon continues on ESPN. NBA 37-year-old Spurs guard Manu Ginobili told the San Antonio Express News he'll announce his future plans, whether he'll return for another season or retire, in a self-written sports column in an Argentine newspaper. Pistons free agent Greg Monroe says he's looking to land with a team ready to win. He plans to speak with the Knicks, Celtics, Bucks, Blazers, and Hornets. According to the Racine Journal-Times, Brandon Knight will sign a five-year, $70 million contract with the Suns. Knight was traded by Milwaukee to Phoenix in February in a multi-team deal. Baseball Tigers right-hander Justin Verlander returns from a back issue and will start tomorrow against the Pirates. The Giants' Tim Lincecum heading to the DL for the first time in his career. The team feels that his arm could use a break. Stop the breakfast blahs and start your morning with sweet and delicious Hostess Breakfast. Get some today at a nearby store. The sweetest cure for the breakfast blahs. Hostess Breakfast. Up and eat them. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. This is Jerry the King Lawler from WWE, and you're listening to The Sports Fix. Welcome back to the Sports Fix Live across the Sports Fix Radio Network. J-Rock, Jonathan Knight in the studio having some fun. Hopefully you guys are as well. As we pick it back up, now we're going to dive into it, of course, the making of Major League. Jonathan Knight got to sit down and break into not just the the movie that so many times we reference here in Cleveland sports, but really how it was put together, how it almost didn't happen, and then how it did, and all of that. We're about to have some fun. I know I've got calls in the queue. We're going to get to you guys. 216-539-7535. Best way to get through social media, facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix C. Email us the sports fix at AOL.com. JK, my man, welcome back in. And and as we were, let's switch over. We were talking about the Indians and they're they're struggling and all just during the break. We're like, man, I don't know. I don't want to give up too soon or whatever. But at least in Major League, you can reach the point where they go, you know, there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole effing thing. And this is this is good. This actually is a great segue because this is how, especially pre-Jacobs Field, but although I still do it. Pre-Jacobs Field, I would always pay attention to what the real Indians were doing each year in those uh, at those turns in the movie when they say, <laughs> Rachel Phelps is walking around, well, they're 15 and 24, they're seven games out of first, they're 60 and 60, they're nine games out of first, and I think, okay, alright, we're still alive, we're doing better than they were in the movie, or oh my god, we're worse than they were in the movie, they can't possibly come back. So at this at this stage, so I always pay attention, after 39 games, where are they? After 120 games, where are they? Are we better or worse than Major League? Is there still a possibility they can turn this around? At this point, they're sinking a little bit, so they were better at 39 games than they were in the movie, which was good. But boy, we're heading toward that that 120 game mark, and it doesn't look like they're going to be at 60 wins. Though. No, it's starting to look like Major League Three here, man. I'm oh, just boy, on yeah. and off oh, the field, boy. man. Yeah, but... you talk about a wide awake nightmare. That's... <laughs> we're heading down that road. Of your two and a half years, Major League Three probably took you about a week to knock. <laughs> oh that oh no, that, that's way no. It, it took about 45. Well, it took honestly, you know, it took as long as it took to watch the movie because I had never seen. I had never oh. seen it. I had heard of. I remember it coming out. And had never actually seen. It. I thought, well, okay, due diligence. I need to. I need to. I need it's to awful. do this. And oh, 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 you you think, folks, if you haven't seen this movie, <laughs> it, it's worse than whatever you've heard. Whatever you have heard, it's actually the worse buzz. than that. And I and the buzz. Yes, the buzz that has nothing. And that's the thing to me that is unforgivable. Like if it had just been a baseball movie, it, I mean, it still would have been good, but it'd have been fine. But to not to call it major league and then not connect it in any way 
is just it was very shallow. And the, the part that got me was I get they didn't want the major maybe they didn't want to pay for the licenses or whatever maybe but they still made it a minor league franchise mm-hmm. of the Twins yeah. and not the Indians. Why no wouldn't the buzz have at least just right. been that, the Indians right. farm club? Exactly. You, know? you needed some kind of connection if you were going to call it major league. You had to connect. <laughs> and I guess in their minds. Their connection was that Roger Dorn was the owner, That's it. but not even the owner of the minor. He owned the the twins. He had nothing, <laughs> so there was really no. I, I you know, I, it's we could we don't want to spend any more time no. on this than we need to. But yeah, I mean, it was you just like these Indians. It can get worse and that's that's worse oh for sure man i'll tell you though seriously that's the worst of the bunch let's let's go back to the beginning what i think was funny was everybody and i'm one of the same guys like i I equate it especially because major league two came out right at the start of jacob's field so Mm -hmm. yeah i think you kind of uh tie that feelings those good feelings together with the major league movies and the indian switch over to progressive field and all of that and everybody goes hey that's serrano and hey that's this guy you know but what's funny is that movie was supposed to be made in the early 80s or at least that's when it was right. conceptually put together right. which is funny because that was way before jacob's field was even right. in the ether this was right. what 84 80, when they- he finished david ward finished the script the original script for major league he finished in 1984 right and it would be five years before it hit theaters which is which is amazing i mean if there's anything that kind of stunned me Going through this, going through the book and learning all these little tidbits. There are a lot of things I didn't know, a lot of things that surprised me, but that may top the list. That it took that long. And we're not talking about to physically make the movie. That took 10 weeks right. to shoot it. It took a summer. But to, to but to get it into production, the amount of resistance, the amount of static that David Ward and Chris Chester, who is the producer of the movie, what they had to deal with to get this thing greenlit incredible because and and that's a I guess that's a common thread through a lot of classic Hollywood movies is oh well it never wanted to get made you know people didn't want to make it and it almost didn't get made so that seems to be a common thread and you hear that story and think my god who's in Hollywood what you he see this <laughs> beloved movie is like oh they didn't want to make the godfather they didn't want to make right. citizen kane they didn't want to make gone with the what do they want to make and you look at major league and 25 years later 26 years later people adore this movie and think my gosh why I guess that you just don't foresee that. You don't foresee that happening. I don't know what you do foresee happening, but yeah, it took there was a lot that was surprising that it, that it took that long to make this movie and now it's lived on for forever essentially. Right. Same thing I noticed. I mean, you talked about it. It almost got picked up and then it got put back on the shelf and right. it got switched over to like a different company or something in development and then they almost went with it and then it just kind of and and then that's how it goes and then boom Somebody decided, you know what, we're going to make this movie, and then mm-hmm. off and running, and and there you go. But uh, I mean, I'll tell you, um, all the th- it's so funny too because you mentioned it in the book how you could never, you could never get away with making a movie. Baseball oh, yeah. would not allow right. what happened here, but because it was the mid '80s, and because it was right. hell, maybe it was because it's Cleveland, and it's like you know, eh, it's the Indians, it's not the yeah. Yankees or whatever, right. you know. And but that, yeah. the, the fact that they and uh, uh, Bobby D talked about that in yeah. your book, but how he was even surprised that baseball let as much get into the movie as did. But that's what makes the movie. That I mean, you know right. what I mean? The scenes that people say, oh, they use a little too much uh, salty language or whatever. But I mean, without that, that movie is a totally different movie. I mean, the yeah. lines oh, are totally priceless right. lines. Right. You know, it's, and that's 
again, not to not to spend too much time on the sequels, but that if you if you look at the biggest difference between Major League and Major League Two, it is that saltiness, and that's what people really loved about the first one. I think because there was there was a concerted effort with the second one to make it more family friendly, to make it PG and not or not even PG thirteen, which is surprising at that point. That was the biggest difference, and probably the biggest PG? reason why it was just PG. It wasn't wow. even PG three. I mean that, and I can even remember at the time that was kind of a warning light that went on. Like, wait a minute, how do you go from an R-rated, raunchy, ninety-nine verbal obscenities in a hundred and six-minute movie to PG? I mean, even today there are very few PG movies. Yeah. There's G yeah. and there's PG thirteen. Very rare. I mean, you're talking a level of tameness that is like a nine-year-old is going to have a problem if it's really that tame. So there's your first indication. But I, I bring that up only to point out that, yeah, uh, it was really that saltiness and that raunchiness that, that made Major League really beloved. It's weird in a way. But also that, 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 yes, you could not make that movie today. Major League Baseball would not allow that script to be shot. With no all doubt. The, all the system of controls that they have, <laughs> that would never be made. Not just for the language, but for the basic premise of an owner Tanking their team. wanting oh. Their team to lose so they can move it. But that's because real. that's happened now. You know, we've seen in Cleveland, we've seen not with the Indians, of course, but basically it forecasted what was going on with the Browns to some extent. You, you're, I think, was it the last chapter in the book there mm-hmm. that you kind of tied that together? I mean, really, that's that's what hurts watching it is right. because at almost the same time, that's happening in real life with yeah. Art Modell moving the Browns and, and all of that stuff, man. And that's the thing. But you're right, the leagues don't want that because they're full of teams that do that, that, do that every year it's a business intentionally right. man, and, they, and it looks like that they it looks like they are doing them they don't want that being brought up and that's you know you look at the 80s you look at that how that is we have the when they send it along now major league baseball has an entire office an entire division that deals with properties and getting permissions for for tv movies whatever back then it just <laughs> went to somebody's desk here's here's how crazy it was that at the time the script actually was given to Peter Uberoth, who was the, the commissioner, commissioner of baseball, yeah. he made some notes. That's what you're talking about. You're talking maybe three people looked at this thing and said, wow. what do you think? Do you like it? Okay, fine, go ahead. Not anymore. That that ship has sailed. It's amazing to think about that. And you know, too, you talk about how that separates it from the sequels. And obviously, it, the cast talks about it, too. I mean, even when you make little changes, you know, you change Willie Mays Hayes to Omar Epps. I mean, those little mm-hmm. changes, you know, you start to see. But, I mean, they kind of lucked into, think about Major League and then change out some of those actors, yeah. you know, change out anybody that played the main parts. I mean, put Omar Epps in Major League One. Willie Mays Hayes is not the same right. character. Right. Wesley Snipes. And I mean, it just happened to be pre-Blade, pre, mm-hmm. pre the big Wesley Snipes right. run. So you got him right before. That's why he wouldn't do Major League Two, because uh-huh. he's like, oh, yeah. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But you got Charlie Sheen right before the true crest. You know, Tom Berenger was still really relevant. And I mean, you had uh, Rene Russo, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, and obviously, you know, <laughs> Lou Brown. I mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the iconic baseball manager. And he wasn't even, what, acting for a while before. Or what was it with him? Lou that, Brown? Yeah. Um, James Gammon, Gammon yeah. he was he was a... He was a character actor. He was he was certainly not a leading man type of actor, but he had been he'd been in a lot of westerns. I think he has that look, and He's he was I, ironically, and he was. And people, especially in Cleveland, my gosh, people love him. There's a story I can tell you. About I'd hire that Lou too. Brown right we now. Would, we need a Lou Brown right now, to be <laughs> honest with you. But he, ironically, of all of the 
characters of all the actors that played these characters, and there's so many of them, like you said, they're just natural fits. The only one, the only actor that David Ward had in mind for any of the characters was James Gammon as Lou Brown when he's writing the script. He's the only one. It's like, I have to have this actor to play this role. Everything else was wide open. He never had Charlie Sheen in mind. Never had Bob Euchre in mind to That's play Harry nuts. Doyle. Craziness. Lou Brown as James, or James Gammon as Lou Brown was the only one. And I can see it. I mean, I you can't imagine anybody else no. playing that role. You bring up Bob Euchre, same thing there. That's nuts because nobody else no. makes Harry no. Doyle no. except Bob Euchre. And the best part about that I read in the book is that he was what? He didn't even do anything with the rest of the actors. He was like no, a, a one right. or two day. Mm-hmm. He did. He just went and shot some lines. Had no clue the way it was all going to come into the thing. You know right. what I mean? That's that's what's kind of cool is that he didn't even see the finished product until it was over. They just said, here, you know, I'm busy. It's an off day. I'll come shoot my lines. Right. And then he wasn't even seeing the action that he was putting the lines to, right? right. He was simply right. visualizing and going. And boy, man, that is, I mean, Harry Doyle's the one that comes out of everything. You know what oh, I, yeah. mean? Like, I mean? He, in some ways, he really kind of is the heart of the movie. That's yeah. strange to say because he is sort of peripheral to everything. He doesn't really interact with any any of the characters or any of the actors besides his, besides Monty, the color man. Monty but yeah, and he did, he did all of his work in two days. He did all of those scenes in the booth in two days without seeing any of the action, without without physically describing it. He's working off of the script. That's nuts. So yeah, I mean, it's... That, and it's a testament to, one, to David Ward's direction and Bob Euchre's performance and understanding of what kind of movie this was and, and what he could bring to it. And he brought a lot. And I he mean, did. Seriously. I mean, what's nuts is I didn't notice... Until reading the book, and then now, obviously, I think back, the difference even in, in Bob uh, Bob Euchre from Major League 1 to Major League 2, you know, how it wasn't exact, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's how do you, you don't catch lightning in a bottle yeah. a second time, and when you try, it's never as good mm-hmm. as when it just comes out of the ether the first time, right. you know? And that's what, that's a lot of it right there, even though I don't, I don't dislike Major League 2 as much as some people do. I think it was actually... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Kind of a logical extension of the... It was the only place you could kind of go from exactly. the first one. And, there, and, and the book goes into this a little bit. And, and I feel the same way as you. I mean, I may, I, I'll criticize Major League Two. And, it's and, not and, great. And it's but... not, right. And it is not, it's not terrible. I mean, the third one, that's terrible. Yes. Okay, I think we can all agree on that. That is what a terrible movie looks like. Major League Two is... It was the natural place to go. There, and I think if, if, if there's anything that the book does try to do with Major League Two, it does kind of try to put it into perspective and not just say oh it was a it was a bad sequel and they messed up it puts it in a perspective and explains kind of why the things that people didn't like about it why that why that happened and one of them we talked about already was that there was a 
there was a concerted effort or direction coming down from the studio, no, this needs to be a PG movie, a PG sequel to an R-rated movie. So right away, you've got trouble. And then you've got, you know, then there's problems. The other big issue with it is that it took too long. It was five years yeah. later. If you're going to make a sequel, especially to a comedy, you need to crank that sucker out by about two, no longer than three years. So funny you mentioned that because I, I got into an argument years ago with somebody about Major League because I did not I did not think it came out as early as it did because of how late the second yeah. one came out because right. I knew that was already 94 Jacob's Field and right. I'm like 89 that movie did not come out in the 80s that was early and because you you didn't realize that 5 years you would think that it would have come out two. right, it, right. Th- that it was that long and cuz I tie the movies together to Jacob's Field right. and any to other that comedy whole thing. if you look at basically any other comedy from the 80s or 90s that that had a sequel to it it did not take that long they're usually working on the sequel they're usually before, it's like it, yeah. it has a big opening weekend all right let's start on the yeah. sequel and it's out with <laughs> In a year, they're not stupid. They know that that's how it works. You want to you want to strike while the iron is is hot, and that's why. And the and you just inadvertently missing the other thing that that kind of doomed Major League Two a little bit was that it did come out literally hours before Jacobs Field yeah. opened. So while that was kind of cool, it's like oh, this is a great week for Cleveland baseball. At the same time, it's like yeah, we don't really need. We this got the movie. real thing. We got the now. real thing now. There's yeah. much more excitement about the Indians. Where there again, if it had come out two years earlier, three years earlier, the Jacob Shield was still down the line. We didn't need that. And of course, the Indians then go on to be successful and are in the World Series a year later. Major League was there was not as much appetite for it. <laughs> You're listening to the Sports Fix, J Rock, Jonathan Knight. We're talking about the making of Major League. You know what? We're getting ready to cross into into the second hour here. Let me go to the phones. This is a good time to take a break here. Let's go to the phones. Caller, interrupt our conversation. You're up on the Sports Fix. How you doing? Who is this? Hey, it's Bruce. Good morning. How J-Rock. you doing? What's up, my man? I'm doing good. Hey, I wanted to talk to J.K. Um, is there uh, any uh, coincidence or uh, has anybody else noticed the resemblance between a cheap owner and uh, the uh, outfield wall at Jacobs Field kind of looks like Major League <laughs> Two? That's I mean, that's I think hilarious. We got every advertiser Cleveland's ever had yeah. on that wall. That's yeah, we get. We need the proctologist out there. Yes. The uh, the fertilizer services. The funny thing about that is that in when that when that came out when when Major League Two came out, that was actually one of the things that Major League Baseball had a problem with that script in that scene where they're showing them selling advertisements on really? the outfield wall. Major League Baseball says, "No, no, 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 no. We don't do that. You're dis- you're you're disgracing oh, the yeah. field." And they had a little issue with that. And they're like, no, no, it's just a joke. It's, don't worry about it. It's just a joke. It's not like it's ever going to happen. Except and now. It, perhaps that's what planted the seed. And now you, every single outfield wall in Major League Baseball is covered with that kind of stuff. So perhaps not. Perhaps I think they're charging a little more than the Indians were charging in Major League 2. But that's sort of where that idea germinated. Bruce, my man, okay. I know you're you're one of the uh, you're one of the guys that's big into this movie like us, so into it. You have a copy of the uh, of the movie script, right? You have the original yeah, script. Yeah, I, I actually you? bought a um, a Hollywood script. Oh, that's great. And uh, so I actually have the um, the actual signatures of everybody that was uh, in the movie and. Oh, cool. You know, it was that's like eleven hundred dollars, but you know, hey, hey, wow, <laughs> worth every penny. <laughs> you know, I got everybody's autograph, and it was worth it. But, and Bruce, uh, you're a can't wait person. to get the autograph book. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got I'll, one for you. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. 
I'll charge you a thousand. Uh, <laughs> Bruce, real quick, and, uh, before you ask, real quick, Bruce, before you go into something, I wanted to ask you because you're a perfect guy to symbolize what I'm about to ask about, which is the fan of the Indians forever. During the dry run, I mean, for younger fans, even for guys my age, you may have suffered through the 80s, you know, which I basically lived through the 80s, and that's about it. And then, you know, you hit the 90s. So I may have suffered through 10 or 15 bad years, but guys like you literally went through decades, Bruce, of living and dying with bad bad Indians teams. You're one of the biggest Indians fans, seriously, that I've ever met in my life. You've got tons of memorabilia. What was it like for you, like, when that movie? came out because I mean really that was I mean think about it that's a risk to embrace a team like the Indians you know at that time and who knows if anybody's going to go out and watch it you know who knows if 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 there's any kind of but man I mean you're one of the guys that was like hey you know this is uh this is all right well not only that but uh you know if we can be honest here um the greatest line of that movie is the Indians win. The Indians win. Oh my God. The <laughs> win. You know, I mean, Indeed. you know how long people you know, like myself have waited 30 years to hear those words, you know, and, and uh, it, it feeds right into Tom Hamilton where, um, you know, the season of dreams has become a reality. Cleveland, you will yeah, have yeah. an October to remember. That's why what so, JK just said makes so much sense about major league one and two, because You've got the reality. Like, Major League One, it was a pipe dream that these Indians were, were going to do this. It was this. fantasy. Yeah. And Major and League it, Two. And it's funny you should say that because I asked my best friend if he wanted to go see that movie with me, and he said, no, nah, it's just too much of a fantasy for me. <laughs> you know? Science fiction. <laughs> so I had to go by myself, you know? But hey, you know, it's just the idea. Well, Bruce, you, know, you bring up a good point, just, too. You know, didn't want to go that far into the future, I guess. Were you at all bothered? Is I'm asking people, especially who were who were long-standing fans of the tribe back then. Were you at all bothered by the, just the general concept before you saw the movie that it that it was in a way sort of making fun of the Indians? Did that give you any pause at all that they're turning the Indians into a punchline, or were you more open to it? I was kind of more open because I wanted to watch a movie about the Indians. You know, I really didn't yeah. think about the you know the kind of humor or whatever. You know, I just went to see a movie about the Indians with the Indians in it because over the years there's been like tons of Yankees movies and you know right yeah stuff like that so I just wanted to see a movie that actually um you know was centered around the Indians and from a Cleveland guy too I think that's that was the key to the whole thing I think we I think the the opposite end of that and that, that it had to be the Indians we saw a little bit last year when draft day came out with with Kevin Costner that that was not originally the Browns the Browns were thrown in there it could have been anybody <laughs> right it could have been any NFL team exactly. that, that hasn't been successful in in recent years but major league had to be the Indians it was always the Indians David Ward's from Cleveland and and the book goes into this a little bit, but but David Ward really that to the point that if Major League Baseball had come back and said, yeah, okay, you, the script is approved, but it has to be a fictional team. You can't use a real team for, with all the language and all the hijinks and everything that's going on. David Ward would have walked away. That would have been a deal breaker for him. And I think I would think that's one of the reasons that that it, the movie has endured and why Cleveland loved it so much because that that sense of Cleveland, that sense of this really about the Indians, was baked into the movie. Okay, now I know you guys were talking earlier about, uh, you know, relating to some of the players like, you know, Albert Belby and Serrano and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, what about uh, Francona when, uh, you know, 2013, before we actually made it to the uh, playoffs, 
um, you know, I bet you Frank Kona, you know, in the first meeting in the locker room said, you know, every sports writer in the country has picked us to finish dead last. <laughs> you know, that would have, you know, that would have fit right in with that movie. You know, let's it's give them one big shit burger and. The, in the That's book basically what this. happened. I mean, we yeah. won ten in a row and almost uh, right. You know, pulled and how that miracle. how that season ended so yes. similar to how the movie ended to the point that they actually had the exact same record. The Think Indians of 2013 right, finished exactly. at 92 and 70 by winning 20 of their last 25, which is essentially exactly what happened in the movie, and it nice. leads to a one game playoff at home. Of course, they lose in real life. But maybe that makes it more telling because that that made it really kind of stand out as as so like a carbon copy of Major League. Let me ask you guys, both of you here, with what you just said, and I think you talked about it a bit in the book. The end does everybody's got a different uh, feeling of whether they should have showed the Indian. Like I like the fact that they didn't finish it, that they mm-hmm. left it right where it was because that was the the the. The, the climax of the story at that point. You know, what, whatever happened from there, you can decide. Did the Indians win? Did they lose? What happened? Who knows? But And then they answered that, obviously, at the beginning of the, right. of the second one. But I kind of dug the way it ended because that was, that was the moment almost like, you know, the first time you make it in 95 after 30-plus years or whatever. It's like, yeah, we didn't win, but, boy, we'll never forget that season, right. you know? Yeah. And that was yeah, something that I, I, I wanted totally to ask David Ward about. They stopped it exactly where they should have stopped it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, you know, I can remember asking that or thinking, wondering that as the credits rolled in, in, the very first time I saw it in, in 1989, and thinking, turning to my dad and said, "Well, but what did they do in the playoffs?" And I'll never forget. He said, <laughs> "It doesn't matter." It, got and, there. That's exa- right. and he had the spirit right. Like it doesn't matter. The Indians won. Yes, they're still they were moving on. Their season wasn't over, but for us for Cleveland, that's that's what we needed. That's all we needed at that point, and that's what we got. And that was what I thought they did a good job of tying into Major League 2 is I did think that that was it's almost like Rocky 3, although yes, nowhere near as exactly. good because yeah. Rocky 3 is a classic movie and Major League 2 is not. But the idea is the same that you had a little success and now you splinter that off and everybody's got press press people and agents and mm-hmm. everybody's got commercials and Willie Mays Hayes wants to hit home runs now right. and I still <laughs> White Lightning, Black Hammer, you know. I would I'm, see that movie. <laughs> yeah, before, with Jesse Ventura. That has to be better than Back to the Miners, right? <laughs> I ain't got time oh, yeah, to that, read, you know. <laughs> but uh, just about anything's but, better than that movie, though. I'm telling you, I mean, you, it man, didn't even uh, have the tribe in it. I mean, it was the twins. I was disappointed in the yes. first five minutes. The third one? Oh, absolutely, man. But uh, but I did like that because I thought that was at least a natural storyline. And then everybody ditches their their you know modern uh, stuff and gets back to being you know athletes and gladiators and Charlie right. Sheen puts the glasses back on and, right. and we're going to work. Right. But, uh, yeah. Okay, JK, I have a quick question for you. I don't know how sure. much um, you follow other movies. Um, I want to. I want to kind of ask you about Forrest Gump. Okay. 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 Um, Tom Hanks, we all know, started in Cleveland at the uh, Playhouse Square sure. and used to go to Indians games uh, on his off nights to watch the tribe and then became an Indians fan. Um, at the end of Forrest Gump, when Jenny dies, on the headstone is March 22nd. Of course, the year's different, but the, the date is March 22nd. And that's the date of the boating accident with oh Steve Owen and Tim Cruise. You're right. 
Now, yeah. is there some kind of connection between Tom wow. Hanks being from Cleveland and that headstone? Wow. I, I would not it? think so. When did they make Forrest Gump, though? Forrest Gump came out in 94. Right, so it was so being filmed, filmed, filmed in 93. So I guess it's possible. I, I never noticed that. I never would have thought that. My gosh, that may be a Da Vinci Code type of <laughs> code you've cracked here. Wow. It wasn't. Uh, I mean, it just, it, it just it always bothered flash... me that you know when I've seen that movie, I always see that date, and it reminds me of Steve Olin, and, and wow. I just wondered yeah. if there was a Cleveland connection. That's interesting. I, I honestly, I wouldn't think so. I mean, if Tom Hanks had written the script or it was his original story or something, maybe. But I, I have a feeling that that may have been baked in. Yeah, that may just have been coincidence, especially since it had just happened. I like it would have happened maybe just a couple of months before they were filming it. But plus, was it? At that point in the movie, I know a lot of Forrest Gump is a flashback. At that point in the movie, was that modern day? Like, would it have been 1993 or was it in the 80s at that point? I can't remember. I believe it would have been 93 because she died. I'd have to look at the movie to see what the the date. Yeah, I don't remember the timeline if it was exactly in in the modern day of the time or was it in the 80s? I'm not sure. Yeah, you know what? Seriously. Something like that doesn't even have to happen at the top of the food chain. That could be something, anybody along the line. You know, they just put the dates on the tombstone. Somebody mm-hmm. goes, hey, you know, it could be anybody. Second unit you know, could stuff. do it, you right. know. I mean, who knows? Art director, yeah. I don't even know if it would have been in the script, really. It may, it may have been something that they just said, okay, we need to film a tombstone today. Somebody throw out a date. Let's go. Oh, yeah, see, here's why you know, they now, a... according to the to the what I just looked up on the wiki uh, wiki and here wiki for the movie, lies. that the reason they picked that date it was March 22nd, 1982, and it was the day the space shuttle Columbia launched. So that's uh, that's why they say they chose it. Although I did find a mistake here looking it up. Uh, they said that she died on a Saturday, but March 22nd, 1982 oh, was a Monday. So uh, there you us. go. But uh, Bruce, still, that's a good point, man. Uh, way to yeah, pull good that eyes. up. Good still, catch. March 22nd, wow. man. You know, well played. I'll tell you what. I'm like uh, a, uh, I, I remember dates real well. Oh, I know you do, Bruce. In Indian uh, history, so you know that just kind of stuck in my mind. The man with that. Anything else, Bruce? Uh, no, that'd be it. Um, you know, congratulations. I do have your uh, your book, The Browns Bible. That's right. I, oh, uh, great. I'm not a real big Browns fan, but I do uh, <laughs> use it to reference things, so you do come in handy now and then. And, well, uh, I try. And like I tell Jerry, if nothing else, that book is a heck of a doorstop. You know, if there's a really <laughs> big spider, that comes in handy. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it sits on my desk, and uh, every once in a while I have to dust it, but, you know... Um, it's a piece of furniture. Look at it. Bruce, seriously. It's last, the family now. What can I tell you? <laughs> last but, uh, question, Bruce. Let me ask you something, man. The, the real-life Indians, are they making a charge here? Are they sticking it to Rachel Phelps in the second half, or are they <laughs> are they dead in the water, man? Uh, I don't have a, an answer for that. I mean, I'm, I'm still looking back on Kansas City was 50-50 and 50 after 100 games last year. I know. So yeah. I still, hey, I'm I know. holding sure. out hope. Bro, that's why I refuse to just throw this season away, you know? But at the same time, you just got to see them come to life here, yeah. man, you Particularly know? after what the Cavs just did. I mean, you remember at this stage of their season, they were equally a train wreck. Tell you what, Bruce made a great point earlier in the chat room. Imagine if LeBron didn't come home and the Cavs this year 
because they were still probably a year off from being a playoff team. Mm-hmm. They weren't a championship no, team. But I mean, yeah. no. Without I think LeBron. they'd have made the playoffs. We said that a year ago, of, though. Well, you that's remember? true. But either way, either way, imagine that run doesn't happen. Imagine LeBron gets hurt halfway through and they don't make the playoffs. Whatever yeah. it is, we don't have that Cavs run. You got the Indy or the Browns, the way a good season turned sour and Hoyer and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And then it goes right into a Cavs season that would have been eh. And then this with the Indians. This would be a miserable yeah. 2015. Terry Francona may not be the manager today if the Cavs not gone sure. to the finals. I, mean, yeah, I, hate, oh to, I hate to be trite about very it. very true. And uh, I was thinking about different. that last night, you know, when they were, you know, people were calling talk shows and saying, you know, the Indians stink and, you know, Francona needs to look for another job or something. You know, and I'm thinking it's not Francona and it's not the team that we have on the field. It's the front office. And, and I, you know, I went back and looked, and um, I'm sure you know that when we um, made the trade with C.C. Sabathia, and it was, oh, it was Brantley that back. was a throw-in in that trade. That yes, is true. Brantley yes. wasn't even what they wanted. He was the player no, we to wanted be named later. Was the original we wanted trade. Laporta. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bruce, I hear you, man. No, you you did a great rant. I saw the other day on on your uh, so Facebook if you page if you trace that. our our family tree back since um, Antonelli and Shapiro have been here, just about everything they've done, they've the the success that they've had, they've had by accident. Um, In evaluating because, other teams' players, usually, yeah, not their own. Yeah, Young and Gomes that's what it comes for Rogers. Do we give them credit for being geniuses, or did they just luck into that a couple of times, man? Well, if you you look back at the trades and the free agents and everything, they have just lucked into stuff. You know what? Some of that is hard to argue, but the scary thing is the rabbit hole you go down because they're all tied together. That's the problem is I would never get rid of Terry Francona, but I think if one goes, they all go. I think Mm -hmm. it's a package deal. But here's the thing, though. You look back on just the fifth starters we've had since 2013, and we have not had a regular fifth starter at all. We haven't had a regular first starter. Well, that's true, too. But, no, I know well, what he's saying. Like I said, I they mean, kind of walked point, into that with Kluber charge. last year. Well, no, but I know and what you mean. In Carrasco general, last is, year. Is the one taking charge this year. I mean, he, but he was even trying to just hang around in that fourth, fifth spot last year until he got himself right. out of the bullpen and back they in. They haven't had an ace. They haven't had a dependable pitcher Tomlin, for back-to-back seasons. Uh, McAllister, had, right. we've gone through them. Sure. I mean, we've we, we we averaged 2.3 runs they a game. The league average is five. I so. know, Bruce. See, we're getting too depressed here, man. we got to get back to the movie, my friend. We're trying to stay <laughs> yeah. off of this. Now, the only problem I had with the movie Major League was that there was no reference to any of the Indians' radio stations or TV stations in the booth. They were all Milwaukee. Was there oh, any, in the, uh, in the, in the actual stadium? That? Yeah, because those are little things that slip the, yeah. the quality control, perhaps that slips through the you know WTMJ on the scoreboard. Which, if you notice, they fixed in Major League Two. It, there's there's radio stations, TV stations, all over the place in Major League and it's Two, the and that's Camden one, Yards no? for God's sake. Is it, didn't, isn't they were all legit. WE and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was K and R. I mean, yeah. they I, they I, they must have paid for those. I don't know how they did it. They were a little more savvy about it. But yeah, that's something. Thing that they really did address in the second movie. Yeah, I noticed in the second movie they did catch their mistakes, but um, a lot of things, you know, I mean, just with the movie itself was just an awesome movie. You weren't even paying attention unless you actually knew. So, 
Even Bruce, in the sense um, of County Stadium looking like Cleveland Stadium. Actually, I mean, that's a great setup, Bruce. I want to use that. Anything else? Because I'm going to segue right into things you may not have known that happened in that movie. That was a good setup. Anything else, my man? No, I'm good. And uh, right. keep up the good work, and I hope to continue reading your uh, books. So oh, thank you. You're always a pleasure. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, my Take man. Take it easy, Bruce. Great phone call, you guys. 216-539-7535. And, that's, you know, like I said, segue right off in that. There's tons of things probably that people did not know about this. I Hell, the biggest one is that there may be a new one. I'm going to start right yeah. there because that was my favorite discovery in the book is the fact that sitting on a shelf somewhere is a script mm -hmm. written and ready to go for a new movie that actually is much more like the first movie than the other ones and yeah. it's just sitting there come on man they make swamp people they make they make <laughs> sharknado they make, yeah sharknado 3 yeah. there's been multiple sequels of sharknado we can't get somebody to finance and that you know yeah. i know they're waiting on money Charlie Sheen is worth billions of dollars. You know, these guys' brands are worth mm -hmm. so much. You would think that they could walk that into a studio and say, we need to make this movie, and somebody will make right. the movie. You got Wesley Snipes willing to do it. You got big stars willing to do it. To me, I don't know how you can't get that finance, like you said, but we can have three Sharknados. Yeah, and it's and it, it, especially to, to us, to non-Hollywood insiders, it is it, – it's – mind-boggling and, and frustrating to think, well, this is a no-brainer. This is a popular movie 25 years later. You've got this great new script, which I've read, which is great. I, I mean, it, it would be... I hate you for it that, It would be better man. than two and three. It would... It probably... I mean, it's up there with the first. I mean, it's always... You're hesitant right. to say that a sequel would be better. But uh, it is. It is. It's a fantastic... Th it's just a matter of ironing out rights and all hurdles that need to be... And you're hitting a point now where... The window is starting to close. So well, they if they just had can, twenty. Wait, was it twenty? Twenty years. Last year was twenty five. Twenty five was just last year, last which would have been the perfect. Which would kind have of been about right. Timing. Yeah, and that was. I mean, this thing was written five. I mean, it's very similar. Very similar backstory to the first movie. It, it's now ago. been five years that this script has maybe been it written. Goes now. That's so, why I was joking that maybe you lit a fire under maybe Charlie we can, Sheen. Yeah, and, maybe. And, and everybody wants to do it. That's the encouraging thing is that Charlie wants to do it. Wesley Snipes wants to do it. Tom Bear. Everybody that is a key player in this wants to do it and they reboot everything right. now we just watched that uh, horrible reboot of national lampoon's vacation oh, you know like yeah. and that's a classic movie yeah. but i mean they that's the new thing it's not just oh, yeah. sequels it's just reboots anyway this is the best of both worlds and it's 25 years later and there's nostalgia mm -hmm. and the other thing too that i think you and i may have even brushed on just talking over the phone on the show is you're walking the line now of it being realistic um that 25 years later you know, Charlie Sheen can mm -hmm. still be physically capable right. that that guys are not on walkers at this point, which I'm joking. But because yeah, what is it? Charlie Sheen would still be pitching in this movie. Right. The, base, the others right. would be managers. Right. And that that's exactly right. So that's sort of the hinge of this. Or the plausibility of it is Charlie Sheen being able to. Scott still be Atchison, like if baby. He's 70, yeah. <laughs> if he's 75 years old. Yeah. I think we've probably missed our window there. But that's the basic – the basic premise is the Indian – and they'd be all new characters, so there'd be some new stuff in there as well. But the basic premise is that the Indians are – in the modern day right now, they're in a pennant race. Jake Taylor is the manager. They need to bring in some talent quickly to – they've had some key injuries. They've got about a month to go, and they need to quickly – 
fill some of these roles. So they bring in some new guys, some new colorful characters, bringing in from the minors or wherever else. One of them is a hot shot uh, pitcher from the minor leagues who comes who in. Up, yeah. Who uh, we'll get there. And another one is they go and Jake says, "Well, let's go get let's go get Vaughn." And 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 Rick Vaughn. Not to give too much away of this, but Rick Vaughn is working at a car dealership. He sits in a room all day, and if you come and test drive a car, you get to play catch with Rick Vaughn. Oh, that, oh okay. And he gets he gets brought in. So so he gets brought in, and then the, he finds out that he's connected with the the young phenom pitcher is the son that he never knew he had. So and it it, it leads obviously. There's all kinds of things that happen in there that are that are just fantastic. But that's the basic premise of what it would be. See that movie has to get made. Has to yeah. get made. You would think. And if there's a silver lining, like you said, with reboots, even if this movie doesn't get made at some point we will get a reboot but of major know, league i'm not saying it's better i would think i would much rather see this sequel get made than than another than than a reboot I gotta think but it's, it at some point just the marketability of it i mean everything's being reboot ghostbusters now this is, is, is getting being filmed made. Right i can now. feel it because it's not just even if it's not a major motion release which it would be with that level of star power in it. I know Wesley Snipes isn't at that level anymore, but they're still big. You know, Charlie Sheen still got buzz. You know, these guys are still top guys. But, I mean, um, you know, you would still, with a, with, with I, I think I lost my train of thought there where I was going. But, you know, um, yeah, I, th- I completely lost where I was going with that one, man. We're, we'll come but, back to yeah, it. Yeah, I was, I was going somewhere and I just let my attention go elsewhere. But, um Oh, the expansion of the availability, not just major media, major motion uh, studios, but Netflix. And mm-hmm. they, they do original everything. That's where I was going. I just completely lost my train of thought there. There's all of these other major places to release movies that want original content. Like Netflix is buying original content so that you have to go to Netflix and watch it. Hulu is buying right. original That's movies, true. you know? So there's a whole new distribution level for that stuff. You've got to think. The odds are good that something like that they gets They would made. find a home somewhere somehow. Yeah. That's the hope. But but then the, the compromise there is maybe if it goes if it goes Netflix, if it goes Amazon Prime, whatever, that there's maybe not as much interest from the For cast sure. member. You know, I don't know. It's it's no, a double right. sword. I would think that that stigma is gone, that it's not like it's a made-for-TV type of thing, that that, that it, at this point there's enough respect for, for HBO series and Netflix original series that that wouldn't be a problem. But who knows? I mean, it, you're talking about a lot of stars aligning, literally stars aligning to make this happen. So any change in that variable is like, Pulling out a Jenga block. You just don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> Speaking of stars aligning, you know, talking about some of the stories, you mentioned how, you know, James Gammons was really the only one that they had in mind. Like, he's got to play Lou Brown here. Um, what were some close calls with some of the other people? Like, I mentioned you can't go without Willie Mays Hayes or, mm-hmm. you know, Wesley Snipes. But what were the closest calls to not being the people that they ended up being in the movie? The Probably the closest was... Uh, Margaret Witten, who played Rachel Phelps, was not the original actor oh, who yeah, was offered yeah. that role. It was Diane Cannon, actually, was offered the role, who was a, a fairly well-known actress at the time. She'd had a couple of Academy Award nominations and was more or less offered the part. And then Paramount came in, and not knowing that she had been offered the part, recommended Margaret Witten. Margaret Witten had really built her career on the stage, uh, is, is a fantastic actor. 
and had kind of broken into film with Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox, which had just been a couple of years before that, and, yeah. and played yeah. a similar the, type of, yeah. she was the aunt, mm-hmm. not, you know, a, a different movie, but a similar kind of character, and, and it worked out brilliantly, to the point that she was so good as that villain that they wound up having to change the ending because everyone loved hating her so much. You know, that's, that's perfect. The, the, that part there about the end of the movie, something so many people may not know, is that it was a completely different... They had to switch everything because they were going with this swerve ending. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they showed it to people and people didn't like it. And I don't blame right. them because you, you kind of pulled the rug out from the whole... Like, the whole movie was fake now. And right. at that point, we're pretending so that it can be real and people don't buy that, right. you know? And, like, even in... I do pro wrestling. And, and many times when you do a storyline there, people will overthink it. They'll do the same thing. They'll do a storyline where they were pretending to to be on somebody's side to set it up. But meanwhile, you hurt your friends along the way. And then at the end, they wonder why the swerve doesn't get over. And it's because, well... But you really were hurting your friends along the way. But I'm supposed to believe that this was all a setup at the end. Well, you're right. just a bad person because right. you were bad all <laughs> along and yeah. you were doing it for a good reason. So that's kind of a pull the rug out from under him. But what was cool about that was how they had to refilm. Right. And she was what? over. She in, was in London yeah, at the time. Talk she, about that. she was on another series. So basically the, the original ending, if you're not familiar with it, the, the, the original ending that was scripted and filmed. And cut together was that right before the final game, Lou Brown storms into Rachel Phelps' office and says, I'm quitting. I can't. I, as soon as this game's over, win or lose, I'm out of the door because I hate what you've done. I'm not going to stand here and, and allow you to do this. And she reveals to him, no, this was I, I. this is what I had to do. I wanted you to win. I put this team together because, one, it's all I could afford, but I recognized these talents and other players, and I knew that you were the guy that could bring them out. And she, there was never a deal to move the team. It was basically just to save the team from going bankrupt, and then she would have to sell it to someone who would move the team. So she became like a heroic character. She also essentially became Billy Bean. If you yeah. look at it the right way, she, is a, she was playing Moneyball in that version of the story. She, was, she had no money. But she recognized talents and in, in, in little intricacies of these players that others did not and was able to put together a winning team. So so there's that scene that you get that reveal. And then through that last game, all the scenes where we see her, I hate this effing song, it's actually she's cheering. She's dancing to Wild Thing as it comes out. It's just a completely different ending. The, the test audience hated that ending, mostly because she was so good the rest yeah. of the movie as being a bad guy. They didn't want to see her just suddenly become a good guy. Uh, and so they had to quickly reshoot just a couple of a couple of weeks, essentially, about two months before the movie came out. They had to go to London, build a set on another stage. And and so all of those scenes you see of her moping through that final game is it's not in Milwaukee. It's in London. She's on a soundstage in London it. that they restructured or recreated her booth and shot all those inserts and then plugged them in and then it, it tested much better. And you can't even tell. That, that I no, thought was never would interesting have when right. you said that. I'm like, wow, they rebuilt. And it said even uh, David Ward was amazed at how yeah. dead on they got it just like you right. know the, the one here. But yeah, you can't change that character. You know, I mean, to me, the, the you know, all the stuff that she does, the best is when, you know, this guy's dead. We'll cross, cross him, him off. off. <laughs> People to this day look at you know, Matt Laporta on the Indians roster and they go cross him off yeah. then, you know? Yeah. They make that say all of those jokes apply today. Yeah. When there's I texted you about it when I was reading the book. To this day, when the Indians have one hit in a game, tell me everybody <laughs> doesn't go 
what one goddamn hit? That's it. That's all we got. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening ah, anyway. Okay. The second part might be true. Yeah. But I mean, to this day, that lives on. Yeah. I mean, second. Second reflex, if I'm in the car, and it's the second inning, third inning, it doesn't matter. If I hear Hammy go, no runs, one hit for the Indians, one hit, that's it, one hit, you know? You, you, it, it lives with you because of that movie. Yeah, and, it, and that's so true. And and even going back to the, the, the twist ending, the and a lot of people don't like it, and I totally understand that, and the movie is better for it being the way that it is than that. But to stand up and look at it from just another way... It does add, and Margaret Witten pointed this out, and she goes into it in the book. To, to look at it another way, it for as much as you may not like it or may not like that character twist that comes out of nowhere, at the same time, it does explain how the Indians just suddenly got good. Because if there's a flaw in logic, which let's 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 not spend a lot of brain power <laughs> bringing a whole lot of logic to a movie like this, but it, there is sort of a what they just needed to try harder to get good wise no it was that they needed time they were they all had it in them all along and that's part of this monologue that she gives to lou brown that she knew she that this is not a surprise to her this is what she planned on doing so there's implausibility there that she could do this particularly in a pre-money ball baseball but it does answer that question of oh okay this wasn't an accident because as she put as margaret Witten points out well if it's that easy everybody could do it that's a good point. It's a yep. double-edged sword. I think they, you know, it's a tough call. They made the right call, obviously. And I wonder too if that kind of ending would work better today. I think we're more used to twist, clever twists, and things like that at the end of a movie than we were in the '80s. I don't know. I, I don't know if it would work. I still think people would say, "No, I don't like yeah. how that that's." It just it plays out perfectly. Plus, I believe, and I'm big on storytelling. You've got to have a villain. To spite at the end, there's got to be, you know, I don't know. I think that makes the story almost better is the fact that it's happening and she's fuming and watching it right. and can't stop this Frankenstein monster that she put together that all of a sudden doesn't suck. Like, I just right. think that's what what pulls it together. Like, if I watched it and saw her at the end cheer for the mm -hmm. Indians, I don't know. I wouldn't be like, eh, yeah. I, I mean, that's hard. I that. mean, another that, that that's totally true. And and I, they made the right choice. I don't think there's any question that that's the right thing to do. Another one, other thing that to to put a point on it. Um, another area that it does help is you could just say, well, wait a minute. Once things started to turn around. Could she not have sent Rick Vaughn down to the miners? Could right. she not have she could have stopped this the well before it the reached that point. Or you could argue it was like, well, now people are coming. Now her plan is out of the water. You might as well root for him now because you're gonna make more money. You know, there's any number of things you can kind of pick at to be really. See, you know what? And that's where easy to pick it out twenty five years later. That's actually a good point though, and that could easily be fixed with one one conversation between the general manager and mm -hmm. Rachel Phelps where he says, Hey, if you send them down to the miners, I'll tell everybody about what you're doing and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then you kind of make her – and then she's stuck, you yeah. know, because you're right. Otherwise, why don't you just go, Jake Taylor's cut, Rick Vaughn's right. traded, Serrano's going We've back to – We've seen this you know, happen before. Yes. We've seen the Indians bail out in the, <laughs> the middle Browns of the season. just did it to right. Brian Hoyer. They exactly. said, you know what? We don't care that you're winning a few games. We don't want you. We don't care. We'd rather yeah. lose without you, you know. And they yeah. just said, go. 
go to Houston. See? I think it would have been satisfying too to to have what uh, what we've seen in real life: teams just bailing out on their team, bailing out on their season. But in this case, no, it, there was a master plan. I think it would have given us a little satisfaction that because most of the time we see this, we know there's no master plan. They're they're knee jerk reactions on a lot of these. So it would have been refreshing in a way to say an owner is is setting her team on fire or apparently doing so. But, oh, no, it makes sense this time. It's, oh, there's a payoff there. It's just funny because nowadays that's just re- – like, I could just – we would be doing sports talk and just talking about it like uh, like it's just a reality. We would just be like, well, you know, the Indians are in year two of the rebuilding plan. It sucks for the fans because they got rid of everybody they could play. They got a bunch of minor leaguers up here. You know, they're going to lose as many games as possible because that's what you do. And mm-hmm. in a few years, you hope to rebuild it back up. It's just – it's just life now, man. Cavs just went through it, you know? Yeah. They sat here and sold you on, you know, this guy and that guy, you know, and you're like, come on, man. Come the Browns on have been now. doing this for 15 years now. Carrick Felix, really? I mean, come <laughs> on, brother. You don't even go yeah. on the Browns, man. Yeah, that's a whole different Let's, story. <laughs> Jonathan Knight, J-Rock here. Let's take our final break and come on back and wrap this thing up, you guys. Don't go anywhere. Final segment of the Sports Fix coming up next. Guys, want to take just a second as we head into this break and remind you about the official business printing source of the Sports Fix, our friends at Signs and Ship. Signs and Ship, I'm telling you, Chris and Pam, they've taken care of me since day one, and they can do the same for you. Whether you're a small business that's already been established and you're looking to grow to that next level and expand your business, or perhaps you've got an idea that you just know is going to be a great business and you need to figure out how to brand it and how to promote it and put it out there, Signs and Ship is the place for you. If you need a logo, they can create one for you. They have a fantastic graphic designer. Business cards, signs, banners, yard signs, mobile advertising, anything you can think of that you need to promote your business, they've got it at Signs and Ship. The best thing about them, too, is each of their locations, whether it's the home base here in Elyria, Ohio that I work with, or their spots in Virginia, Florida, and Pennsylvania. It's all local sourced. Very important to me because we all understand that small business is the lifeblood of the community. So check them out, signsandship.com, or call Chris and Pam today, 440-323-6060, the home office in Elyria, Ohio. Signs and Ship, quality printing at affordable prices. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Fantasy Jocks. Visit FantasyJocks.com, your fantasy sports superstore. Championship belts, rings, trophies, and more. Fantasy sports lovers, you put so much time, hard work, and effort into playing week to week that it quickly stops being a fantasy and And starts getting getting real. Real Real time spent making real decisions, creating real victory. I'm the greatest man in the world! And when the smoke clears, you want to show off those victories with a real prize. I mean, a really real prize. Nobody Nobody does does that that like like Fantasy Fantasy Jocks. Jocks. The crew over at Fantasy Jocks have beautiful, high-quality, and heavy-duty championship belts, rings, trophies, and so much more for all your fantasy sports needs. The trophy's 12 feet high, and it is glorious! Football, baseball, hoops, you name it, they have it. Plus, they have awesome draft kits and party supplies to make all your preseason activities the envy of everyone. If your league needs a ring, belt, or trophy, or you want to upgrade what you already have, there's literally only one place to go. 
If you're going to be a fantasy jock, do it right. It's mine. The most magnificent belt ever created. And it's mine. With America's fantasy sports superstore, fantasyjocks.com. In baseball, miracles can happen when a team works together. Two out, bottom of the ninth, down to their last strike. The same is true in the fight against cancer. That's why MLB has teamed up with Stand Up to Cancer. Because we believe that when we all stand up together, 41,000 on their feet, we can make cancer history. Now everybody's standing. What a buzz in this building. This is beyond a dream. Stand up with MLB at StandUpToCancer.org. The Sports Fix is now available every day on the world's largest internet radio service, iHeartRadio. Download the free iHeartRadio app, subscribe to the show, and get your fix. This is the Sports Fix. What is your name? I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Dude, what do you want? Uh, well, it's uh, this rug I have. It really tied the room together. Uh, we are not a show to be swept under the rug. We are a show to be heard. It's the Sports Fix. Welcome back to the Sports Fix. J-Rock back in here with Jonathan Knight, sports writer extraordinaire. We're with you live, wrapping things up. Thanks to everybody who's been with us here today. And if you tuned in for my man Dan Wismar, and hey, my man Dan Wismar may have tuned in for Dan Wismar today. <laughs> uh, we, I was hoping he'd call yeah. in and join the conversation. I completely forgot uh, that we had a clash in schedule. So, Dan, if you're out there, I love you, man, and I'll see you on Wednesday. Dan will be back in here on Wednesday, as always, from everybody hates Cleveland and the Cleveland fan. We got kind of the, the co-mingling family That's here. right. Yeah, Jonathan Knight. Dan Wismar, Mike Brandenberry, they all kind of yeah. overlap in different ways, and whether it's everybody hates Cleveland or did the tribe win and all yeah, of that. That's and, right. You know, you're just continuing to, you know, find places to get out there and, and do your thing. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this because you're here, JK. I love reading your stuff. Um, I was just telling you, there's a reason that opening day is sitting over there at the top of my book table. I just finished reading it, and that... When did you write that? That was, believe it or not, that was the first one I wrote. It I came out so. in 2004. It was my second book that came out, but I wrote it years before that. So, yeah. And and it's so, like, you can see the youth of your writing style yeah. compared to, <laughs> no, 10 years yeah. later. Oh, no, totally. The stuff yeah. that you write, but it's still so good. I, I'm oh, telling you, if you. you guys haven't read it, uh, Opening Day, it's the book Jonathan Knight put together that's really two stories in one. It's the story of the first game at Jacobs Field in 94, but you tie in, you described it perfectly in the beginning when you say it's kind of like 12 Angry Men, one of those where you, you bounce in with the story and the, the, the past and the future. You tie it together inning by inning mm -hmm. as you're telling me. I love it, and it takes you right back because you forget 
what it yeah. was like. We've been around this so long, and yeah. now we hate the Dolans, and nobody right. spends money, and all this stuff. But man, 93, 94. The pure, the pure happiness of the ballpark the, opening, and even now, the renovations were, I mean, we've reached the point where we're renovating this new ballpark that right. we all loved. I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice to have that. Remember when it was new, remember when we were new, before the Indians had gone to two World Series and five straight division titles, and we can look back and say, God, it was all ahead of us. That was so much fun and that's that's what i'm getting to even when you get to 96 97 mm-hmm. 90, 97 turned out to be great but the grind was there about win 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 we mm-hmm. have to win we became that sport we became the new england patriots fan base yeah. what i mean is we became that team that now we know we're gonna win now it's world series or if bust. you don't win the and world series it's a failure it's a failure yeah. and but man 94 I will never forget. Like, I was so happy that the Indians caught the White Sox and were yeah. able to nail the. They had those. And your book reminded me of those two series mm-hmm. right before the strike. Yeah. When they played back, it was two weekends in a row. They played each other. There was only three days apart. And the Indians got that wild card because I knew. I tell people to this day, I thought for sure the season was going to start back. Mm-hmm. It might not start now. It might be just the playoffs. Right. But I thought for sure we were taking a break, and then 94 was starting back up. And so I remember waiting and waiting, and then finally they canceled the season, and yeah. then it dragged on. But people forget how awesome it was when it wasn't spo- when it was yeah. first happening. It was so much fun. That's what's man. so unfortunate about 94 is we hear 94 and just think strike. I mean, as we should, because that was a cataclysmic awesome, moment in baseball history. But we forget how much fun 94 was they up to that point. They yet. were starting to put it together. They didn't start out. I mean, it's similar to Major League 500. in some ways. They were under 500 yeah. in the middle of May and then rattle off a 10-game winning streak and climb into first place. And this was this was like your first girlfriend. This was your first love. That I mean, more so than 95, honestly. We all love 95. 95 was epic. But 94 was your first date. That was your first girlfriend. And it's overshadowed by the strike, unfortunately. Yep. But, boy, that was a special year. Absolutely. You know, and, and- and just like you said, that was that was when they went up for Albert Bell's bat in the in That's the right in the Jason in the, Grimsley yes. climbing through the ceiling tiles, that, that, all of that. Yeah, that wasn't ninety five. No, that was ninety four, and that was a pennant race. That was yes. something we did not have for the, for all those years that the Indians were great. They never had to fight for anything, at least until they got into the playoffs themselves. They were just handed the division title five years in a row. Ninety four. That was a dogfight. That was going to be a heck of a finish. And I know it's not the best. Uh, corollary, but 2013. It's almost like we started the cycle again, only we very quickly were, were ready for more. Uh, that 2013, with it being kind of magical at the end, and then yeah. Terry Francona comes in and leads the white horse with Jason Giambi, and we go back to the playoffs, and everybody was happy just to get there. But then, you know, we've seen that <laughs> weight of expectations yeah. changes it. Now, last season, which was okay, was a failure to many people because they they didn't get to the playoffs. They didn't win enough games. And I know uh, you don't want to settle into not winning, you know, into being happy with not winning, but it was already the bloom off the rose. But 2013 mm-hmm. had that early Jacobs Field feel to it again. Yeah, for similar to in 2007, I think, was that way to some extent. Maybe even 2005, <laughs> the year they, they fell just short. But it had that feeling of, whoa, this is out of nowhere and this is new and fresh and there's no real expectation. This is fun. We haven't had that since, no. No. Jonathan Knight, this has been fun, having you here. It has been fun. This this has been a lot of fun, guys. This has been great.
I'm telling you guys, if it wasn't for this scheduled show, there wasn't going to be a sports fix today. It was going to be sorry, we'll see you tomorrow, <laughs> man. Because I could not have done, I could not have done a show where all we have to talk about is the weekend that was for the Indians. Like, like, like a fitting cap to this, like Harry Doyle at the end of the first game in Major League. Post-game show brought to you by... I can't find it. The hell with it. Jerry at 9 o'clock this morning. Oh, I love it. I love it. JK, let's talk about it real quick. The Making of Major League is the book. There's two websites for people to find it, which we said... Well, the same website, two different right, addresses. Two, yeah. two ways to get to it. Majorleaguebook.com or makingofmajorleague.com. That's right. right. Either one... Takes you to that site, and then you've got your site too, right? The uh, jnightbooks.com, J K N I G H T books.com. Uh, you can go there, and there's samples, links, all kinds of stuff on the major league site. There's there's excerpts, there's samples. You can order it from there. Of course, you can order it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. Any of the Barnes and Nobles in Northeast Ohio have it. So there's plenty of ways you can get your hands on this thing. There you go. I'll tell you what, man. I think I've got a copy laying around here somewhere, too. Why don't we put one in somebody's hands here before you get out of here? And I'll uh, I'll take care of that tomorrow. Let's, I, You know, I hate to do it live because so many people do uh, do digital delay and, they, and sure. they listen to the show later. So uh, I'll tell you what. If you guys are interested in getting your hands on a copy of this, email the Sports Fix today. I'm not even going to put any contest to it. Anybody that's listening here, I'm just going to randomly pull the winner because I should have thought of some fancy question ahead of time, but I didn't. So I'll just randomly pull the winner. But I've got a copy of this for one of you guys. The Making of Major League by Jonathan Knight. Check it out. Hit us up, thesportsfix at AOL.com. Tell me you want to get your name in the hopper, and I'll draw a winner when we come back live on the air, which, by the way, we are not here Live tomorrow, we will be back in studio on Wednesday. Dan Wismar will be here, I promise, even if i got to go find him myself. He'll be here. <laughs> I'm looking to get Vince McKee in the studio as well here and talk about his latest book, Ohio Warriors, coming up. A good book on some of the best uh, MMA fighters, boxers, and wrestlers to come out of the uh, state of Ohio. So we'll talk about all of that. But again, if you want to get a copy, hit me up, The Sports Fix. At AOL.com, I've got a copy of this great book, The Making of Major League, for you. I'll draw a winner and announce it on Monday. I hear you, Chase. Send me an email, and maybe I can hook you up with the book. In the meantime, you've got, what, a ton more things to do here. You're yeah. going to be on TV tonight. What yeah. else do you got going gonna on? going to be on tonight with Jim Donovan on Channel 3 at 7 o'clock. Um, if you have Time Warner Cable, you can catch me on Bruce Hooley's show at 8 o'clock this evening on Time Warner Sports Channel. Um, taping a Channel 19 interview. I'm not sure if that's going to be tonight or if they might delay that, but uh, we'll keep Jerry in the loop on that. So, yeah, so there's there's just no getting away from me. I'm going to be in your face for the next 12 hours. I, I apologize. I love it. And how can people follow you? Social media. Twitter, at jnightwriter, right? And you then got you've got a Facebook page. I do have a going. Facebook page. Uh, you can, it's probably the easiest thing is just to search for search for my name. You can find it there. There's, there's a, a Jonathan Knight Writer page you can get there and and, uh, and follow me there as well. All right, there it is. Jonathan Knight, follow him. Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Check it out. The Making of Major League, and plus much more than that. All of the books, way too many to list. But what my favorite of all time is Sundays in the Pound. You've got the... Yeah. I told you I had the rack. 
classic he does. Jonathan Knight. I, I told you. <laughs> I didn't right just there. put that up because you were coming over here. But like uh, like animal heads that you've you've, you've, got, <laughs> you've collected them hunting. They're sitting there. You've you've made it through all all three of those suckers. Yeah. We've got all kinds of stuff in here. I'm telling you, one day I need to videotape and just take people around and see the goofy tour stuff of the studio. This is just great. To, I have not. I got to tell you, folks, I had never been in this studio before, and it is it is the ultimate man cave. This is. <laughs> We joked last week. This is where the magic happens. This is where the magic happens. This is fantastic, guys. You got to—he's got to do a video tour or something. And it was magic today. Seriously, I was so glad we were able to do this, and I was able to get you in here. Thank you so much oh, for yeah. coming in, my man. You bet, buddy. And uh, make sure you guys check him out. And of course, every week, JK's here. This week, we're off on Friday. He'll be back next week, and we'll do the thing and talk about the Indians and, and all of that stuff. Cavs, Browns, whatever's going on. For now, JK, you enjoy your rest of your tour. You guys out there, remember. Not here Tuesday. We're back live Wednesday in the studio, noon, same bat time, same bat channel. Dan Wismar's in the house. Vince McKee's going to join us this week as well. Have a great night, you guys. The Indians, the Tampa Bay Rays, back at it for a couple of games before we get back. Enjoy them or whatever else you're into. And until then, we'll be back. We love you, Cleveland and beyond. And we'll see you Wednesday, noon, Daddy, right here on the Sports Fix. Survival's on my